0: What's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us on another episode of After the Game, a conversation I have with my dad where we talk about the post-Jazz game and all things sports related, especially, uh, especially what's going on around the league in the playoffs this year. My name is Spencer.
1: Hey, and this is Barry. Spencer, it's always good to chat with you after game and especially after a win as the Jazz go up 2-1 to one in the seven-game series tonight, beating so- the the Memphis Grizzlies 121 to 111, just a great win. We'll get to it in just a second, but before we get there, um, we have to talk about some sad news in the Utah jazz family and quite frankly around the NBA and the NBA family. And that's the passing of uh, great uh, legend, Mark Eaton, who's number 53 hangs in the rafters of the Vivint arena, just the heart and soul of the jazz in the early days of the jazz franchise, a two-time defensive player of the year, 11 seasons with the Utah Jazz. Mark Eaton was just uh, a a giant in the middle. He averaged 5.6 blocks per game uh, one season in 84-85. That's almost six blocks a game averaged. So there are some nights he had double that. Um, And then his career average of three and a half uh, blocks the game, still leads the NBA. Quinn Snyder had some great things to say about him, and one of those was how he just was a mentor to everyone. Clearly, Rudy Gobert and having him uh, as, a, as, a, uh, as a prodigy to follow Mark Eaton's footsteps as a defensive player uh, and then just a, a great example to everybody On the jazz team throughout the years just sad
0: to hear of his passing and uh and everyone feels it today spence any thoughts tragic yeah out of nowhere so kind of as a blow when you hear about the news i think rudy heard the news this morning going or everybody did i guess but rudy heard it this morning as he was getting ready for the game and he just kind of made some quick comments about how mark eaton was his mentor how he'd even seen the defensive player of the year trophies in his home and that kind of sparked some drive for him to go after it. And he even um, I think he tweeted out that he's sad that he's not there, but he knows he, he knows that marking is going to be watching the games. And so Rudy has something to play for. That'll be good. And um, yeah, overall just a tragic when it's unexpected like that. And I think um, our hearts and prayers go out to the Eaton family and, and the, the legacy that he has left behind.
1: Yeah. I, I was fortunate in and being the dad of this, father son podcast i was fortunate to see mark play throughout his his entire career he started and uh, i saw him live on on a couple of occasions
0: as a mechanic isn't that the story that he was a mechanic first and then somehow he made his way to like uc ucla yeah exactly so some community college basketball coach
1: saw how his legs stuck out from underneath a vehicle and said, whoa, young man, you probably be, should be doing something different than a mechanic and went on to play at UCLA uh, then with the Utah Jazz and uh, a great story and an individual that is being missed not only by the Utah Jazz family, but the NBA family as a whole.
0: Yeah, I saw a picture of him next to Gobert today and Mark Eaton was big. He was big. He made Gobert look small. So,
1: And that's hard to do. And that's really hard to do. I think Shaq said the same thing, Spencer, today on the TNT broadcast as they talked about Mark Eaton. Shaq said he was one of the first people that that made me feel, I don't know if he said the word small, but not as big as I thought I was. And yeah, that's a lot it. to say because Shaq was a big dude.
0: Listen, Mark Eaton's legacy will li- live on no matter what. So it's, it's a tragedy that he passed away at such an untimely moment being only 64. And it looks like it was just a bike accident. And so it's hard to wake up to that news.
1: Yeah. So with that, uh, rest in peace, Mark Eaton. Uh, Hopefully that could be, along with Jerry Sloan's passing uh, last year, a a catalyst to the Jazz playing uh, with a lot of emotion as the series goes on. Listen, 121 to 111 win tonight. Uh, The Jazz gutted it out. And uh, a lot of good things to get to here about this game. Spence, what are your initial thoughts?
0: So the, my initial thoughts was that it kind of looked like the Jazz were back to normal in a, in a sense, or whatever you want to call it, normal for the Jazz. That was at the beginning of the game, though. I don't know how you feel. We exchanged some notes, but it looked like it kind of got a little bit scary towards the middle end of the game. Halftime, we were doing well. Um, I The biggest moment for me was Conley. Mike Conley's obviously played. He played for the Memphis Grizzlies for 13 years or so, and now he's back playing against them. But man, was he shooting lights out? And so was Royce. Royce also helped us big. We'll probably dive into all this later, but I love the way Conley played tonight. Love the way Royce played tonight and everybody seemed to start off. Okay. But it, it kind of looked like an off night for almost everyone.
1: Great shout out there, Spence on Conley. We talked about it in the last Episode in the last one of the Jazz where Connolly had 20 points and 15 assists. I don't know if we talked about it enough. He is making some great, great reads. And then tonight he comes out and does it with his three point shooting. He made seven three pointers. I think it tied a career high for him in in three pointers and uh, did it against his old team, as you referenced. But absolutely got to give him credit again. His stat line. 27. 27 points, six rebounds, six assists without Mike Conley eight tonight.
0: I think it was uh, eight. That's right. Eight assists. Without Mike Conley tonight, the Jazz simply do not win. It feels good as a teammate knowing that someone's always going to score too. I don't know. this. I mean, this, this is how I felt when I played basketball is if I was having a bad night and somebody was having a good night, it made me feel more, comf- uh, more comfortable and even more confident knowing that someone was going to follow through. And that's what Conley was doing. And that kind of just helped the team chug along in a way.
1: I like that. You're you're right. I mean, he came out and calmed the team down. Uh, we'll fast forward here really quick to to what happened down the stretch with just a little bit under five minutes to go, four and a half minutes to go. The Grizzlies take the lead for the first <laughs> time, I believe, in the game. If it wasn't the first time, it was the first time in a long time since the yeah. first quarter. And they had been down yeah, they 15. They take the lead. Right. They take the lead. They go up by two and then the Jazz go on a 12 Oh, run! Just a sign of a composed, mature, and quite frankly, let's use the word championship team to be Mm. on the road, take the biggest punch from their opponent, have the crowd against them, and then they they come out and get the win. Uh, Just a tremendous three minutes there, and while we say great things about Conley, those three minutes is where the All Star. Donovan Mitchell signed, shined, who closed the game really strong and
0: ended up with 29 points, two rebounds and five assists. That's what I was going to say that the the, the run was really kind of that's where Mitchell kind of came out and and closed the game for us. And that's what you want to see in your all star. So his 29 points. They came in clutch moments. It kind of seemed like he was off, but it doesn't matter when when he can take over the game. And, and it was very interesting, and I wanted to ask you about this, but it, towards the – I think the last seven or eight minutes of the game, Brooks, who's been having a really good series, I think you mentioned earlier in other podcasts that usually – Dylan Brooks averages 17 points a game. and this series, he's averaging 27. So he is playing at a level that he's never played before, which is hard to anticipate, but it is playoff basketball. And so he had, I think, five fouls, with so about seven minutes left. But for some reason, it kind of seemed like we shied away from him offensively. And I, I don't know how I felt about that. I, I just felt like we could have attacked him more and maybe eliminated him from the game a little bit earlier because it seemed like once he was fouled out of the game, which eventually he did, that's when Mitchell was really able to take advantage of the run so what do you think of that do you think the jazz should have kind of targeted brooks a little bit more obviously we got the win but do you think we should have targeted more earlier when he had those five fouls yeah i mean that's easy to say and and i i'm going
1: with it the the interesting thing about the jazz and what's made them a great team this year spence in my mind is they stay within their game plan they hmm. really don't when they when they they veer off of their game plan they actually have problems so i think that they just wanted to stay in rhythm who had the shot where was the ball moving um mitchell knew he had five fouls he eventually fouled him out of the game so he did get brooks out of the game um jaron jackson also had five fouls and so there was a thought should you go at him but but a good point i mean just an amazing night from dylan brooks again 27 points three rebounds two assists and just uh just did his job to disrupt the jazz but uh, Mitchell, you know, with his line of 29 points, just looked really, really good. Um, we can run down through some of the other things. John Morant played another great uh, game tonight. 28 points, three rebounds, seven assists. Uh, Valanchunas was a non-factor in the first half and then totally blitzed us to start the second half. He ended mm. up only with 10 points, 13 rebounds. Kyle Anderson played a great game for the Grizzlies. Uh, just really bothered us. Grayson Allen, the former Jazzman, who averaged 10 points a season, had 17 tonight wow. on a five of eight three-point shooting. Um, so the, the Grizzlies came out and played hard. The reality is the better team won, and the All-Stars showed up in Gobert, Conley, and Mitchell.
0: As we were saying earlier, it looked like the Jazz were in control for most of this, or pretty much the whole game, because they had the lead the whole game. I just wish we could have put a little bit more distance between us and the Grizzlies, because they're a young team that once they get momentum, especially at home, they can ride that and turn it into some runs, which they ended up doing and taking the lead. So it, it's hard to. What do you think Quinn could have done differently? Because he seemed to make some some interesting substitutions. Obviously, Joe was a little bit quiet tonight. Not, I mean, it happens. It, and then he threw in. Niang and he threw an Oni and it seemed like he was just kind of experimenting with an answer to a, a Grizzlies kind of awakening. And so what do you think about that and why and what do you think could have been done better? Or is it just work with what you have and just some players were off tonight? Well, you just
1: hit it on the head without, you know, kind of putting an exclamation point on it. And that is Joe Ingalls. Let's just let's just let this sink in for a little bit. Three points, no rebounds, one assist on one of four shooting. That is not an Ingles night at all. He generally has good numbers across the board and he generally is hitting shots. I'm not sure if anything was wrong. He was getting outplayed by Brooks when he was trying to guard him. And that's when Quinn went immediately to the bench and brought in Oni. And I don't think Ingles came back in the game. He only played 23 minutes. Still not a bad night of minutes, but I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Spencer, I believe we finished the game with O'Neal on the floor. And I believe most of our games, we generally finish with Ingles on the floor. So Ingles mm. had a really tough night tonight. Three points, three points. This is coming yeah. from a guy who generally averages 12 points, five assists, and four rebounds. And he did not have it tonight. And I don't know if he if he just didn't have it. And, and so... That could so be. That's it. my thought. When Quinn went to the bench, Spence, I, I, I just, I just don't know if Ingles was playing a good game, so he had to go someplace.
0: It's interesting because it seemed like the Jazz were doing well with ball movement. We just talked about the stats, and and that kind of does reflect the game a little bit, but and especially looking at Ingles with only his three points. But if you looked, if you watched the game, there were some really good ball movement, and and there were some good shots. I thought that Ingles was taking. There were some good shots that I thought Mitchell was taking, and there were some good shots that I thought Clarkson was taking that just didn't go in. And so it it just comes down to maybe they just, it wasn't their night or they just something else was going on because they had the looks and, and it just didn't look like the ball was dropping. So we could talk about the stats and that definitely reflects how the game went, but that doesn't mean that the jazz weren't playing bad. It just, it just, the ball wasn't going in the hoop, but that is the name of the game. And I thought that Royce played really well. He hit, he hit nine quick points in the first quarter to kind of give us that, that kind of confidence for the, to start the game. And that's good to see and Conley followed it up with his really good performance. And I thought that favors played really well. And the big number for favors was eight rebounds. And I think he was more of a presence. It's, it's hard for an athletic team to go in against favors. Cause he is a big body.
1: Yeah. All those things you just said are just great insights um, on, on what the jazz were able to do and, and stay the course and favors good mention there played solid minutes. You got to give it to him. He did his very best. And that's why I resigned him. Interesting tonight, um, the Jazz hit 19 threes, uh, which is yep. great. They were 19 for 43 from threes. Uh, we shot 13 more free throws than the Grizzlies, and that was a big thing for the Grizzlies. Uh, you know, their coach, Taylor Jenkins, got a technical, I think in part because of the frustration they weren't getting in the line. The Jazz, you know, they got out-rebounded tonight. We, we were doing really well in the first half. In the second half, they just, you know, the fans got into the game. Um, the Grizzlies played well, we could go on and on about this game. The reality is those minutes from the four and a half mark to the one minute left in the game, those three minutes right there, the jazz played like champions.
0: That's what we look for too, especially with Gobert kind of stepping up and he had a, he kind of opened up the game, obviously with an athletic team like Memphis, they're going to be scrappy and they're going to grab those rebounds. And we talked about Morant's game the past couple of podcasts. He is phenomenal at getting dribbling up to the free throw line, taking about one or two steps in from the free throw line and then hitting a floater, hitting a shot. And he kind of did that. He did miss it a couple of times. And when Brooks found out, the momentum kind of shifted. And so the jazz really capitalized on that and they made sure to score on the misses that Grizzly that the Grizzlies were having. And so overall, I thought it was good. I mean, we talked about Gobert; he had 15 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks, which is really exciting. He opened up the game a little bit for Conley and then Royce played really well, but o- overall, I was pleased with the performance. Like I said, I would have wished we had a little bit more space, a little bit more of a gap. We were only really – I mean, we went up by 15 at one point, but it seemed like it was always hovering between 9 and 10, and I would have liked to see a a 15- to 20-point lead consistently throughout the night because I thought we were playing at that level, but like we were talking about, it seemed like we were off just because the ball wasn't falling.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I you keep thinking we're going to run away from this team, and and it's hard to do. They're just scrappy and athletic, athletic. and good. Yeah, great point. You know, John Moran. There was a stat. This is a, it's a little crazy here. I think he's shooting like seventy percent when yeah. he gets below the foul line and gets in there, and is is becoming quickly becoming in the league. Can't believe I'm saying this about a second year player, but quickly becoming in the league. Just an amazing 10 foot floater guy in the lane. And, and you're right, though. You said it really well. Near the end, Gobert got to him, and he, he was tired and he couldn't get it up and over Gobert. And there was one time he went in and tried to dunk it. You got to give him credit for that, yeah. Rudy. Rudy, I, I, I don't even know if Rudy really fouled him. I think Rudy actually held his ground. It was an amazing play with both of them. But Brant was like it. was like,
0: I got to do this. That the way he moved his hand was the quickest I've ever seen. He is him and Fox are some of the fastest players out there, and it's fun to watch. I, I love his athleticism. He is just nuts, and he goes to end people's careers. I think he has the most almost posterizing block dunks of all time because he almost posterizes everyone, but it's either a foul against him or he just misses it, but at least he jumps up there. So credit to him for doing that and having the trust to do that.
1: Yeah. Great point. Great so point. so but, quick
0: question. Yeah. Brooks was obviously chatting the whole game. And like we were talking about, it kind of looked like the jazz really built up the run when he fouled out. So do you think for this series is Brooks inside Mitchell's head or any other, other jazz players heads?
1: Who I ooh, that's a I don't know if he's fully in their heads, but he definitely disrupts things at certain times in right. the game. Um, I think the Jazz and their maturity and their and them being veterans get this and they know what he's trying to do. Mm. But you know what? He is a disruptor, he's a big time disruptor. The one guy who seems to handle him okay is Mitchell. And I'm not saying that Conley doesn't but I think it impacts Conley. And he's really going at Niang. Anytime Niang gets on the yes. court, it is like Brooks goes, oh my gosh, this is going to be so much fun. Um, you got to give Brooks credit. I, I also think that uh, the, that there was a time Bogey hit a three over Brooks <laughs> and, and that kind of quieted Brooks. And then Brooks fouled out. He, he couldn't even challenge the foul where he fouled out.
0: And that kind of shut him up as well. Good point. Good point. Conley kind of looks like he gets – he gets kind of pushed or not pushed around, but, but Brooks definitely plays a little bit more physical on Conley just because Conley is that more composed player and he is that more uh, mature player. And so I, I find it really um, interesting to see how Conley reacts because Conley just let the game talk for itself. And that's what I like in a player is when they obviously Brooks had a great night. I think he had like 27 points or so. So yeah. he definitely scored, but Conley knew what was going on in the game and didn't let it get to him. So that was that was good to see.
1: Yeah, listen, for, I watched the game and I go, oh my gosh, he's bumping Conley and he's in his head and he's shoving him and doing this. And then you look at the stats, he's got 27 points. And last game he had 20 points and 15 assists. So we can say all we want about Brooks getting in their head, but these guys are still putting up similar numbers. So great, great win by the Jazz. We now kind of move on to to the next game, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Let's go around the league and just kind of give quick updates on, where the Eastern Conference playoffs are and where the Western Conference playoffs sit. We'll go to the 1-8 in the East, and that is Philly and Washington. Philly has a commanding lead, 3-0. No matter what Beal does, no matter what Westbrook does, Philly just plays their game, and Embiid is just a a man among boys right now and and taking taking it to the Wizards. They blew them out again tonight in Washington. And when you're up 3-0 like this, uh, I think they're the next victim to fall in this playoff race. Yeah, Any so thoughts quick, about Philly-Washington?
0: Quick note, Joel Embiid set his career high in the playoffs with 36 points. And so that's big, especially for a big man. I mean, obviously we know that the league's going in a three-point shooting direction, but the that just is a, like, it kind of alludes to just the dominance that Embiid has in the paint and just as a player. And the confidence that he has. Washington is obviously a little bit more... I mean, they're the eighth seed, but they still have two great players. And it, it's kind of interesting to see how this is lining up. But I, I, I can see a sweep on the horizon, mainly because Obede is already – his rhythms already in the zone, and he's just moving, and you can't stop someone that big. And so it's, it's going to be hard for them to kind of slow the Sixers down when Obede's in control.
1: Yeah, and Bede has, like you said, 36 points. His is playoff career high in 27 minutes yeah I mean you put another 10 minutes on him which he generally would play probably 35 37 minutes he could have scored probably 50 or more so just yeah, a eight blocks too.
0: yeah or not for MB but just eight blocks for the 76ers that's so obviously the defensive presence there they had nine steals as well so they' they seem like they're a pretty I don't know how to say this but it seems like they're a pretty well rounded team but clearly they're going for that embiid centered. Offense and the games kind of the games in in beats control,
1: yeah. So, right as we step away from that one, Westbrook did have a triple double tonight 26 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. The guy's an amazing player. I just sat there and watched today and I thought, he's such a great player, but man, when was the last time that he really won? I know he's had great teams and they went to the NBA finals early in his career but it's just shocking that you have two scorers in Beal and Westbrook that just hustle, hustle, hustle. And yet, you know, it's not like they got beat today. They got waxed yeah. today. So, Seriously. all right. Seriously. The, the other, um, the other game today in the East that sealed the deal for the Milwaukee Bucks is they sweep the heat, the NBA <laughs> finals of last year's heat out of the playoffs in a 120, one Oh three win today. And I, I I just think the Bucs are quietly on a mission and True. might be a little overlooked when you've got Philly and Brooklyn in the East and, and people are, might sleep on the Bucks. but my recommendation would
0: be don't sleep on the Bucks. Quick fun fact. This, so I'm just reading now, swept, this is the, how am I going to phrase this? Swept in the first round the year after making the finals since 1984. So the Miami Heat, they made the finals last year and then they're swept in the first round this year. And that is the first time that's happened since 1984. And I think that it goes to the fact that um, Giannis is tired of being, hmm, how do you, I don't know how to say it, but he's tired of being kind of known as a washed up player when it comes to the playoffs. And so he's on a mission quietly, it seems like, which is kind of ironic seeing how he's a dominant player. But with the Sixers and with the Nets in the Eastern Conference, he's kind of not overlooked, but just not focused on it. But he made a statement tonight. I, I think he even said that he's hungry and that he just was ready to eat them up. And so he is like secretly ready to just take over and he's ready for the next one. And people are just saying that the Heat were just a bubble team anyway. But I think Giannis did this himself and he's that good.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, Giannis had a triple-double tonight. Yeah. So let's just call it what it is, 20 points, 12 rebounds, 15 assists. So here we have a great, great insight there that the first team since 1984 to reach the finals and then the next year be swept out of the playoffs. So the Bucks win that series 4-0. Another game tonight, um, we'll stay in the East, and go back to last night, right? So you go back to last night, and the 4-5 matchup, the Hawks take a 2-1 lead in that series. Um, us being somewhat Knicks fans here in the East, and having lived here in the East, um, are go down on that. They lost 105-94. to 94. Uh, The game wasn't really too close, and that might just be a lot of energy from the Knicks just not being able to do it. On the road, when you look at the Knicks, Derrick Rose had 30 points, six rebounds and five assists, so played his game. But really, when you go to Atlanta, again, Trey Young with 21 points and 14 assists, all around good game by all of the Hawks. And they, again, take a two to one lead and um, now go for uh, another game in their next round. So Knicks struggling a little bit.
0: This might be the most fun series to watch actually right now. I know I'm a Jazz fan, so I'm obviously a little biased towards the Jazz, but I'm also a Knicks fan, so maybe I'm biased there. But it, this competitive uh, matchup has actually been very entertaining just because of the off court drama. Spike Lee was down in Atlanta today or the other day, and so it was fun to see him kind of take the L in Atlanta. And Trey Young has to, he's trying to make a point, trying to tell New Yorkers that he's in control, and so it's just fun to watch.
1: Yeah. So that one uh, Hawks can't control. Here's kind of a sh- kind of a surprise, right? So the the last night the Nets lost to the Celtics, one twenty five, one nineteen. So the Celtics get a game in that series. I was totally convinced that the Nets would just sweep them out, but you got to give credit to the Celtics for getting a game in this series and maybe making it a series. Jason Tatum, fifty points, six rebounds, seven assists, Marcus Smart played a great game, et cetera. But Jason Tatum's a real deal. We, we saw this uh, brewing uh, over the years. We know that he and Mitchell are in the same draft class. You, but man, Tatum is is in in Jalen Brown's absence, making it a go for the Celtics. Again, 50 points. And they get a game in this series back in Boston and uh, make the series a two-to-one series.
0: So do you think that the, the Nets have kind of a chink in their armor and do you think the celtics figured it out or is it just a game where they went into the boston garden and they just couldn't couldn't convert
1: i think it's i think it's the latter i i I don't think there's a chink in that armor it just was a game that got away from brooklyn in the third quarter as uh, boston outscored them but you look at brooklyn durant scored 39 and james harden scored 41 so yeah. they still did what they needed to do. It's just that the Celtics played a little bit better and got the game. I don't think there's a chink in their armor. I still see the Nets winning this series and, and, um, and making it up. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe Boston ties it up and goes 2-2 in the next game.
0: Right. And it looks like Durant's leading the series in almost everything. He he's averaging 32.3 points in the series and he's actually averaging 9.7 rebounds in the series and then two blocks in the series. And so we talk about how obviously Tatum is a great player and he just put up 50 points for as young, for as young as he is, but he's only averaging 27 points in the series, which is about five short from Durant. So this is really Durant's series, but I do want to give credit to Tatum because he's still not going down and he's coming out and just, doing peak performance after peak performance and setting the bar higher and higher, which is remarkable. And so maybe they can get another one going, but at the end of the day, you're going against three hall of famers, but right. it is good to feel that this Nets team isn't invincible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, you know, and it, and it just elongates the series, which just for any basketball fan, if you go into these playoffs, just wanting to see good basketball, it just gives you an extra game in a series that that could be fun. Moving over to the West uh, really quick. Last night, we had the Clippers and the Mavs, kind of a funky series now. The the Mavs went into LA, took the first two games. Clippers Mm -hmm. came back into Dallas and win that one by 10. Um, So the Clippers are going to make it a series. Some people thought, oh my gosh, watch out. The Mavs might get it. But Kawhi Leonard goes for 36 points, eight rebounds, three assists. Paul George goes for 29 and LA gets the win. Luka Doncic had 9 and nine, just an amazing player. This guy is going to end up to being one of the greatest. We don't, I mean, it's early on in the career and it's silly for me to even say that, but there's just no way around it. If he stays healthy, which is always the big if, he has the body, he has the basketball ability, and he goes for 44 in a losing cause. So we have another series on our hands where the Clippers might make this interesting.
0: They definitely don't want to be considered washed up and i think it's already getting to paul george that he's kind of fading again in the playoffs and he actually played really well the other this last game and that that just shows that he's the difference maker in the series he let's see how many points did he have did you say
1: yeah so for that for that game he still had uh 29.7 rebounds and four assists so a great game right. for him in 41 minutes i mean he and he and Kawhi Leonard paid forty-one and forty-two minutes, respectively. So they're putting up the minutes because they—they washed up's a strong word, but it's
0: you can start to whisper that. if you's got unmotivated, unmotivated might be a better word. Yeah, and let's see. I was reading um, I read this tweet where it's like it said. Luca and Porzingis are like Kobe and Shaq, except except Luca is both Kobe and Shaq, <laughs> so he's an all around great player, and so it's funny to see him going out and doing um doing what he does best, and he's hard to guard, and he's making it a fun series, but it's it's gonna be interesting. I think I uh, I don't know. I, I I think Luca's figured something out, and I don't think the Clippers have figured out Luca yet. That's true. And it's hard to
1: figure out, Luca. He is really good. It'll be fun. If you're an NBA fan, you can see some of these rising stars in Tatum, Mitchell, Donchitz, Trey Young. I'm probably leaving out everybody. Gobert. There, The game is in good hands and it's in good hands domestically and internationally. And if you're an NBA fan, you've got a lot of years to go and it's going to, it's going to be great to see see some of these great guys moving on to another game tonight in the West. Uh, This is an interesting series. Um, If Jamal Murray was healthy, it might be different, but maybe not. So tonight Portland goes out and gets a win at home, evens that series at two games, a piece, a big win by them. Uh, Damian Lillard. I'm seeing here only had 10 points and 10 assists. McCollum had 21 uh Powell had how many 29. minutes how many
0: minutes did Lillard play because it seemed so, like it kind of blew him out
1: yeah so 31 minutes and that's okay. probably the reason um but just you know Carmelo Anthony had a good game with 12 points I that's good I haven't heard and I wish I would have saw it I'm hearing that um, Mike Malone the coach of the Denver Nuggets called his team out after this game and his presser after the game I don't know what that would have been but Jokic only had 16 points. And nine mm. rebounds. That's not going to get it done. Um, Camposo actually had 12 points, three rebounds. Then Rivers, who really won the game the other night for them, only had eight points. Michael Porter Jr. three, and 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 uh, Gordon had six. My my point to this is, um, we know we knew when Jamal Murray went down, it was going to be tough for Denver, but they finished the season so strong. You expected them as the third seed to win this. There there might be a reason there might be a reason why Denver didn't want the third seed. I know I sound a little crazy here,
0: Tim but maybe,
1: maybe Portland, they didn't want to see Portland who's now tied that series at two games apiece.
0: Yeah. It, Cause playoff basketball is just a little bit different with basketball. And, and Lillard is a different breed. Obviously he didn't have that many points tonight, but it's, it's tough going as a team that is hunting you number one and, doesn't and it kind of has their back against the wall so they're not having too much to lose and that team is led by Damian Lillard who is just a competitive player and so it kind of gets a little scary and then you got the veteran with Melo and then you got McCollum and so like the they got the dynamic to win it and then Denver has all the pressure on them with especially on um, the Joker just because he has the pressure of being the all-star he's lived up to it but at the same time he's considered for the MVP, so he feels a little bit more pressure for that. So I don't know, maybe maybe the coach of the Nuggets just kind of felt like Denver just assumed they'd win, or they just assumed that they'd be entitled mm-hmm. to just moving on to the next round because of their performance this season. And that's a very dangerous thing to have because you can see in the playoffs when teams see other teams lose their motivation, it's just they just take advantage of it.
1: Yeah. It'll be that's going to be a, a fun series to watch and and see if Portland can get past. And these teams have played each other in the playoffs, at least uh, a, a barn burner a few years ago. And so they know each other well. Moving on to tomorrow um, and the other series in the West we haven't talked about is Lakers Suns. They'll play their fourth game tomorrow. It'll be in L.A. The Lakers are up two one. And uh, if they go out and get this next game and go up 3-1, I think the Suns will be in trouble. Uh, Chris Paul's health is still in a little bit of a question. He's clearly mm-hmm. not right, um, which is sad to see because he played so healthy the whole season. But that would be a 2-7 upset. If the Lakers can go grab another game and go up 3-1, the Suns are, will be on the back of their heels, and, and that will be interesting. So that's the marquee matchup tomorrow. Uh, you also have Knicks Hawks and Nets Celtics Clippers Mavs all four games are going to be exciting but I kind of have my eye on that Suns Lakers because that the Lakers go up 3-1 and become a seven seed being a two seed they start to kind of gain their momentum as uh as
0: reigning champions and I think the Lakers are going to win this series At, tomorrow they're going to be in this in Staples Center so they have a little bit more of advantage there they've already stolen the home court advantage from the Suns but I just think that it's sad that Chris Paul isn't healthy I mean I for me, as a Jazz fan, it's whatever. But he he's definitely off his game, which kind of hurts all around. Obviously, Booker is still having a good series. He averages 28 points in the series, which is the most by any player. Anthony Davis only averages 27. and But LeBron is averaging 9.3 assists, and Chris Paul is only averaging 6.3 assists, which is kind of shocking. And that just shows that he is off his game, maybe because of the injury, and that's really where the team can live or die is by the performance of Chris Paul. Booker will still get his points, but the impact that Paul has versus the points that Booker can provide, I don't know if it's going to be enough. And so I can see a Lakers victory tomorrow, which leads to an upset with them.
1: Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch that downstretch. Um, I was talking a little bit earlier today with someone in the angel. Comment of who's better, LeBron or Jordan, came up, and one thing that what uh, that I heard in that conversation was LeBron's passing ability. I mean, mm. I mean, just and we've heard it before, but that that really puts him in the, into that discussion. I, I, for one, continue to believe that Jordan and his ability and killer instinct and are you, All yeah. that goes with that is the best, but you, you got to give it to LeBron at this age, this stage in his career, making his team win because of his passing.
0: Well, obviously, this is a long argument, but I mean, the amount of seasons LeBron played versus the amount of seasons Jordan played and Jordan didn't necessarily want to pass the ball. And so I guess you might even be forgetting about all his no-look passes that Jordan had. He had some style. And people rave about LeBron's ability to pass. But Jordan passed with style, too. I just think Jordan didn't like passing as much as LeBron recognizes the usefulness. I think Jordan was just, I'm going to score. So if you get the ball, then you're lucky. But LeBron's more of a, hey, I can still pass and I can still score. So it's interesting. It's interesting to see that they're different. But I don't know if we really want to get to that right now. So... So so now we look towards
1: as we end, end this uh, tonight and, and put a, a cap on the top of it. The Jazz will play game four on Monday night against the Grizzlies. That'll be an important game the stat, though. Every team that goes up two one in the playoffs, there's every team that they, they, they win 73 percent of the time. So the odds are in the Jazz favor now up two one also on Monday night. We will see the 76ers and the Wizards, and I would imagine the 76ers will close that out as the one eight-seed matchup there. So uh, any thoughts, Spencer? Any feelings? Uh, What are you thinking about the Jazz as they go into game four on Monday night?
0: I think Mitchell is gaining momentum. He has been more of a second-half player throughout his career and throughout the season, but with the momentum he's gaining and with kind of the confidence he's getting back, I think he'll be in a position to control Uh, The game that will lead, and I can see us even stealing another game and just not letting Memphis win again. Yeah, you could argue it was a little bit closer than we wanted, but Conley's playing well, Mitchell's playing well, and Gobert is consistent, and that's really all we need to win this series, at least. And so I see that. I'm looking here, it says that Mitchell scored 20 of his points in the second half. And he and Conley combined for a total of 56 points. And so that's really what you want to see, especially for this series, is Conley and Mitchell performing. Because you know Gobert's consistent. He'll get at least that double-double. He'll get that maybe 15 points, 15 rebounds, and the presence just being there. And for this series alone, again, obviously they need to have all their pieces in order to make a good run in the playoffs overall. But for this series, it really comes down to Mitchell and Conley being consistent and just going off – and, and making their combination and a plays impactful.
1: Yeah. Well said, well said on the jazz and well said about Rudy and his consistency. And again, you called it 15 points, 14 rebounds tonight. Uh, they are playing well and, and, uh, and, and this momentum should carry over their maturity and composure should win out uh, on the young team before we go, just a shout out to you and Chelsea for winning the UEFA Champion Leagues yes. Today. so a big win against Man City. Spencer, this podcast would not be complete without one final word from you about your Chelsea soccer.
0: It feels good. It's their first time they won the cha- – it's their second time winning the Champions League. For those, who, for those who don't know what the Champions League is, it is the combination of the top four teams in each league across Europe. And so the Champions League final just so happened to be two English teams, Man City versus Chelsea, Chelsea's second Champions League victory. So the last time, the only time they'd won it before this was in 2012. And this was the first time that Man City was in, um, was in the Champions League final. So it was a competitive game. Man City was the, was the favors, but this is actually the third time Chelsea has beat Man City in six weeks as they played them in the Premier League. I know it's getting a little bit confusing with all these leagues, but that's just how Europe works. They're all just one big connecting league. And so it was good. First time an American um, with Christian Polsic playing. He's from Pennsylvania. He was the first American to ever play in the Champions League final. Almost had a goal, but didn't quite get it. But it didn't matter because Chelsea won and it was well-deserved. So my Blues got their win. Always good feeling. And if you didn't get to see the highlights, I highly recommend it. The best part is when they raise that trophy because the fireworks is off and it just feels right.
1: Yeah, great point. I'm so happy for you. Happy for all the Chelsea fans that are out there. And just for our listeners, you know, please subscribe. Please keep coming back. I think what you're going to hear during the summer months and maybe in the next season, we'll do a few after the match episodes and do a little bit of soccer. So it'll be fun if you're an do NBA it. fan. We'll, we'll talk a little soccer. We'll definitely do some things uh, after the Olympic Games. So, we you know, a few nights during the Olympics this summer, we'll do some fun episodes on that. So we'll spread the love to some other sports. But as we finish off, um, Big Jazz win, 121-111 tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies. And NBA basketball is on fire. Let's Anything go. So, Good, uh, right.
0: so the next game is Monday then?
1: Monday night.
0: Monday morning. night. I. I predict a winning do you predict predict a winning um yes let's go get a win all right let's go all right thanks dad thanks Spencer see you bye yeah have a good night